Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians uh, chapter 1, if you uh, don't have a copy of the Word with you, you can follow along on the screen this morning. Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then we will pray together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Well, let's spend some time uh, praying. So would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And uh, just take a moment and you pray for you. You know you better than I know you, and so you know what you stand in need of this morning. And so just pray that God would meet you right now. And if you would be so kind, would you pray for me? Pray that uh, my words might be helpful and clear to you uh, today as you receive the word. Father God, we give you thanks for your word to us. Uh, thank you that you have spoken, that you haven't remained silent, that uh, you meet us right where we are. I thank you that your word is living and active, which means that you still use it today to form and shape us, to change us into the people that you've called us to be. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to know you and to be known by you. I uh, thank you that you know everything about us and you still love us. How cool is that? Uh, Lord, thank you for your spirit who is with us, who instructs us, leads us, and guides us. Lord, I pray that uh, you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, your word this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We're excited about what you're going to do this morning. We give you thanks. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Well, the year is 1990, uh, and you have fallen asleep in your English lit class. Uh, you stayed up a little too late playing Legends of Zelda, and so you fell asleep as the teacher uh, talk to you about some great piece of literature. Uh, your head is buried in your hands on your desk. You don't know it, but uh, a little uh, pool of, of drool is coming down your cheek and landing softly on your desk. Uh, just when you are about to have a wonderful dream, you feel a little piece of paper slide underneath your fingertips. You open up your eyes and notice that someone has slid a note uh, right underneath your fingertips. And so you pick up the note. It's not exactly folded like a pterodactyl, but it is folded in a kind of a cool way where it has a little tab in the middle, 
where you can pull it out and read the note. On that little tab is a heart. Oh boy, <laughs> you're pretty excited. In that moment, you probably are asking yourself three questions. Number one, uh, who gave me this note? Who sent it to me? Uh, do they like me? Uh, have they noticed me? Or perhaps do they just draw a cartoon of me sleeping on my desk? Uh, the second question that you're probably asking yourself is, is this mine? <laughs> Did they intend to give it to me, or am I supposed to pass it to someone else and they didn't see that I was sleeping? Uh, the third question you might be asking yourself is, I wonder what it says. Like, what did they say to me? Who wrote it? Who was it intended for? And why did they write it? Uh, when you think about it, the letters that we have for us in the Bible uh, ask those same questions, or maybe we should ask those same questions about the letters. Who wrote it? Uh, who was supposed to receive the letter? And why in the world did they even write it? And so that's what I want to do for us as we kick off a new series in the book of Colossians. I want us to think together about who wrote the book, uh, why uh, he, he wrote it, and who was the intended audience, right? the author, uh, the audience, and then the occasion. Uh, and thankfully, the book tells us who wrote it. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Who wrote the book? Paul wrote the book. Uh, Paul was in prison. Uh, Paul hung out there occasionally. Uh, it wasn't his choice. Uh, he was in prison for preaching the gospel, but Paul found himself in jail. And so he wrote a handful of what we know as the prison epistles. Now, if you grew up in church and you know the story about Paul, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, Paul had a past. If Paul posted his resume on ministryjobs.com and was looking to write a portion of the Old or New Testament, uh, his resume probably would have been passed over, right? Because there were a few skeletons that Paul had in the closet. If someone were to rifle through those resumes and to see what qualified a person or what disqualified a person, Paul honestly may not have made the cut. Now, Paul had a past. Paul was a persecutor of Christians, but God did an amazing work in Paul's life and, and really changed uh, his heart and changed the trajectory of his heart and life and ministry. Now, do you know that God uh, still does that? Uh, God still changes people. Uh, he, he changes people with a past uh, and gives them a future. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good news that we, we serve a God uh, who doesn't disqualify us uh, from uh, future service because of past sins or indiscretions? Uh, if you are here this morning, it's important that you remember uh, that your past doesn't disqualify you from future work for God. Your past uh, does not disqualify you from future work God. It's amazing when you read the Bible, you read about people with all sorts of sketchy past. Murderers and malcontents, adulterers and addicts, doubters and debtors. Um, all are used by God for His purposes. If you are here this morning and uh, you think uh, your past disqualifies you 
uh, from being used by God, um, I have good news for you. Uh, You just may be the perfect candidate uh, to be used by God. Who was the author of this book? It says, Paul, an apostle. Apostle is one who is sent of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then it says, and Timothy, our brother. And Timothy, our brother. I I love the fact that when you read about individuals in Scripture who are often sent for gospel ministry, oftentimes they're sent along with someone else. Uh, Brian Goins, who was the first pastor of this church, oftentimes referred to them as and guys. And guys. Like when you read the Bible, you read about Moses and Aaron, Paul and Timothy, Cain and... Well, that's not a good example. Um, not so much. That went a little sideways. Not that, but, you, but you read oftentimes when God sends people out, uh, he sends more than one uh, because God has called us uh, to do life not as individuals. Christian life is not a solo sport. Uh, he's called us to do life together. Right? So I want to encourage you this morning, um, when you go to a fight, always bring backup. And the Christian life is a fight. Uh, so bring backup. Right? Have people in your life that know and love the Lord, that encourage you, that challenge you, that sharpen you, that will rebuke you, that will love you, that will cheer for you. Have godly men and women in uh, your life. Always bring back up, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and uh, Timothy, our brother. That was the author. Uh, who's the audience? Who did Paul write to? Well, it says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Colossae was located in what is modern-day Western Turkey. Uh, At one time, Colossae was a significant city, a major city, but by the time Paul wrote this book, it it really um, wasn't what it once was. Um, Not that it was insignificant or unknown, that wasn't the case, but uh, Colossae was not Laodicea, it was not Hierapolis, it was not one of the major communities or major cities uh, that people would have naturally been attracted to. In many ways, Colossae was... Uh, uninspiring, or um, I don't want to say unknown, but they weren't uh, the, the, the biggest dog in the fight. Right? They were kind of this smaller community. And, and yet, uh, Paul wrote to this little community of uh, the letter of Colossians. I think that's significant for us because we, uh, as a people, have a tendency uh, to be attracted to that which is influential, and that which is important uh, by human standards. Right? We, we are naturally ones who gravitate uh, toward what is big and what is significant. It's like in our DNA oftentimes. Uh, and yet Colossae was just written to a small little church. Uh, a lot of people think that it may have just been a house church that was made up of a handful of people. Uh, Many years ago, I was at a church that was not a small church. It was a big church in our community, and they had a prayer room in the church. And I kind of finagled my way into the the prayer room of this large, uh, well-known church. And I laughed because I looked down and I saw on the end table in this prayer room was a pen uh, from another church. And it it was an even bigger church and an even more influential church. And so I took a picture of the pen 
uh, of this church, and I sent it to the pastor of the church that I was in, and I'm like, what's the deal? Like, these people are everywhere. Like, we can't, we can't, we can't escape from them. Um, they're the churches that people would like. I'm joking. They were great churches. They're churches that people look to, and they, they have the conferences. They're well-known. When you go on vacation hundreds of miles away and you're on the beach, uh, you see their T-shirts, and you think, those are uh, the churches that are the movers and the shakers. They're filled with people who are significant and influential. But Colossae uh, did not fit the bill. Uh, Colossae was small. Uh, Colossae was a church just like uh, our little church, uh, just filled uh, with a small number of folks. And yet, um, God apparently had his mind and his heart uh, set on uh, them. Uh, be careful what you deem significant in God's eyes. Uh, be careful uh, what you deem significant in God's eyes, because uh, if you're not careful, uh, you might miss it. Be careful what you deem significant in God's eyes. Who was the author of this letter? Apostle Paul, uh, the one sent by God. He authored uh, the letter. The audience was the Colossians, the church at Colossae, this uh, small community. And the occasion, the reason that the letter was written was because there was teaching that had kind of infiltrated this small church that was a counter to the gospel message. Many people believe that what was called Gnosticism was being taught in this church. Gnosticism is from a Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. There was a group of people that essentially believed that they had some special revelation or some special knowledge that made them a little superior to everyone else. They, they kind of had a corner on the truth. Gnostics believed that all matter was evil or the physical was evil. And so when they looked at Jesus, they didn't believe that Jesus was fully man and fully God. He couldn't be fully man because matter, the material, uh, was evil. When you read through the book of Colossians, you'll notice that Paul is addressing this issue within the book. And he does that by holding up the person in the work of Jesus. He simply wants people to see the superiority of Jesus over everyone and everything. And so when we walk through this book together, uh, I just want us to notice the beauty of Jesus. Notice the beauty of Jesus. So who was the author? Paul was the author. He wrote to the Colossian church, and he did that uh, to confront teaching uh, that had infiltrated the church that had forgotten the gospel and viewed Jesus and in, in a different light. And so he continues uh, this letter in writing to the church, and he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now, let's just stop right there because I think this is significant uh, that Paul, when remembering the church, um, thanks God for the work that he sees in the people. Uh, this is significant. Oftentimes when you read the Bible, when someone is uh, giving thanks toward an individual, it's actually first primarily giving thanks to God for the work that he sees done in the lives of God's people. Um, this is not insignificant. The reason that Paul does this is because gratitude uh, is God-directed because all good things are from God. Any good work that you see in the life of people uh, has been birthed by the Spirit of God. It's because God did something spectacular. So, so we're going to read three things that Paul is grateful for, faith, 
love that he sees in the lives of people, and hope that is in heaven. But when Paul, um, when Paul talks about these things, he's giving thanks to God for, the, for these attributes that he sees in the lives of the people at Colossae. Uh, he wants, Paul wants to give credit uh, where credit is due. And so he thanks God, again, for three things. Uh, for the reputation of faith that the people have, the reality of love that marks this little church, uh, and the hope uh, that they have in heaven. First, he thanks God for the reputation of faith in Jesus. Look at verse 3. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, this is good. Uh, rumors of faith of the Colossian church has grown, and Paul heard about it. Right? He heard about the fact that, that this small group of people were known for their faith uh, in Jesus. There was a character that Paul talks about, Epaphras, who had sent word or visited Paul and told him about this little church. And likely one of the things that he said about this little church is that they were a people uh, full of faith uh, for Jesus Christ. One of the things that we notice is that while our faith is personal, our faith is not private. While faith is personal, um, faith is not private. Faith, our faith, is meant uh, to be shared. Right? The faith that you have in Jesus is meant to be shared uh, with others. Uh, the goal in life is not to navigate uh, through all of life without other people knowing that you are a follower of Jesus. Right? It's actually set up to be just the opposite. Right? And yet, oftentimes, we, as followers of Jesus, can function in such a way that our faith is very personal. And so we don't talk about it, or we don't advertise it. We just kind of keep it to ourselves and say, well, that's not something that I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about politics, and I'm not going to talk about religion. And so we keep it close to the vest. Uh, and yet, the Bible uh, says that we, as a people, should be just the opposite. Like people that know us and love us and are around us uh, should know that we're Jesus followers, uh, that we love Christ. They should have heard a story or two about our love and our affection uh, for Jesus. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do people uh, know uh, that you are a follower of Jesus? Like your neighbors, like the people that you live next door to or that live across the street from you, uh, the people that you rub shoulders with at work and that you do life with at the soccer uh, field or the basketball court or at dance. Uh, family, friends, colleagues, like do people know uh, that you're a Christ follower? Uh, on some level, they, they should. We shouldn't necessarily be the kinds of people that uh, stand on the street corner with a sandwich board. I'm not suggesting that we have to pass out gospel tracts at work while we're trying to meet a deadline to talk about Jesus. But I'm saying that um, there should be people in our lives that know we love and follow Jesus. You know, I was thinking this, this last week, I can't think of a time in Scripture where God's people are uh, rebuked uh, for being too passionate about Jesus. Like I was trying to think of a verse that talked about, hey, why don't you um, keep the Jesus talk um, down a little? Turn down the volume some. Um, and, and no verses came to mind. I'm not suggesting that we should be um, excessively weird about it, but uh, maybe we should be okay with being a little weird about it. 
like having spiritual conversations with people and talking about the one who changed our hearts and our lives. I love the fact that there were a small group of believers in Colossae um, that were passionate about their faith. And Paul uh, wrote to them and said, I've heard about your faith uh, in Christ Jesus. He talks about the content of their faith. This is huge. This is really significant um, because the church at Colossae um, had faith in Christ Jesus. Sometimes when we talk about faith, we talk about it in the context of, of someone just being a real positive person. Right? Have you ever met a real positive person before? They, they weren't necessarily someone who had faith in Jesus per se. They just were positive. Like They're the kinds of people that you want to hang out with and be around because they're really positive. Um, I can be sort of a glasses-half-empty guy at times, and so I like hanging out with people who are really positive. It seems like whatever happens to them, they're just like, it's going to be okay. They could lose a thumb, and they're like, I still have nine fingers. Like, it's going to be all right. You know, like they just, like their outlook on life is just sunshine and rainbows. And I'm like, I want some of that to rub off on me. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. I'm not talking about just being excessively positive. Uh, he, he's not suggesting that uh, we should have faith in statistics. Like some people you meet uh, have faith in the numbers. If you're a numbers guy, then you might have faith in the numbers. Or if you're a numbers gal, you may have faith in the numbers. Like you may get the report back from the doctor and they're like, hey, it's not uh, good news. And you're like, what are my chances? And they're like, well, there's, you know, there's 52% chance that you're going to be okay. And you're like, well, that's, that's, better, that's better than 48. You know, like I'll I'll take, I'll take my chances. What, like 95% of people get well? Like, oh, that's, I like my chances. Like, that's not the faith that Paul talks about. That's just faith in statistics. Paul's not talking about faith in faith. This idea like, well, you just got to have faith. Like, just, just, just believe. Just believe and it's going to be okay. No, Paul writes and says, I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Like, like he is the source and the content of, of our faith, like we are putting our, our trust in him. There was an, an old missionary named John Patton who was translating the Bible to a group of people that did not have the Bible in their language, and he was trying to translate the word for faith, but there, there wasn't a word in their language that translated for faith until he stumbled upon a word, and he said, ah, like this is it. And, and the word that he came up with meant um, to lean your whole weight upon. To lean your whole weight upon. And he said, aha, <laughs> like that is faith. Uh, to lean your whole weight upon. Um, have you ever uh, participated in the trust fall before? Have you done the trust fall? Okay, like like your, your boss at work took you somewhere out in the woods and they're like, we're going to grow close to one another and like each other. And so we're going to do the trust fall. Have, have you done that? Would anyone like to do it now? No, I, don't trust me. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, I watched a video of someone doing the trust fall. And they were being recorded, and it was a gentleman, he was a bit jittery. Like, he, he didn't know if he should do the trust fall or not, but there was a group of people behind him, and they were explaining to him, listen, what you need to do is you, you just need to let yourself fall. Just let yourself fall. Um, fall, and, and we're going to catch you. And so he stood like this, and, uh, and, and, his, and his colleagues or his 
friends were all uh, behind him, and they were going to catch him when he did the trust fall, except that when they did the countdown, um, when he went to fall, instead of falling backwards, where all his friends and colleagues were there to catch him, um, he fell forward like this. And, and as he's falling forward, you hear all of his uh, friends and colleagues going, no, 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 no. And, and it's just like slow motion. He falls on his face. And I just thought to myself, uh, a lot of times in life when we uh, trust or when we have faith in the wrong things, it's like us falling forward instead of falling back. Uh, and, and God wants us to fall back in faith in Jesus. And he, he wants us to be a people uh, whose lives are marked by faith in Christ. And so Paul writes to this church, uh, and he says to this little church in Colossae, I've, I've, heard, I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And then he tells them, and uh, the love that you have for all the saints. I love uh, the fact that this church uh, was marked by love for the saints. God's people love God's people. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say, or perhaps you have said before, um, I love God, I just don't love the church. And oftentimes that comes out of a place of being wounded. Like some, someone has hurt you, an individual, a man, a woman has said something that has inflicted pain or heartache on you. Uh, and so the tendency is to kind of lump the church uh, in uh, with this person or this individual. Uh, what's interesting is the, the, the Bible um, doesn't give us those categories. In fact, the, the Bible says that if you love God, one of the distinguishing marks of your love for God is your love for God's people. The Bible goes as far to say that you will be uh, known not primarily uh, by your, your theology or not primarily by your passion, uh, but by your love. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, by, all the, uh, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love uh, for one another. Right? So, so the thing that marks Christ's point, the thing that marks us as followers of Jesus is our love for one another. And so uh, can I ask you a question this morning? Um, how are you doing uh, loving one another? Like, how are you doing loving each other? Like when, when you see people on Sunday morning, uh, do you think to yourself, um, that person, that brother, that sister, um, I, I love them. I want to pursue them. I, I want to be responsible um, for, for pressing into their lives and asking them how they're doing. I want to pray for them. I want to serve them. I want to be willing uh, to give my life up for them. Now, God's people are, are marked by a love uh, for one another. And, and the church of Colossae was marked by that kind of love uh, for the saints. Uh, Paul says, I give thanks to God right, because he's the source of all good things. And then he says, I'm, I'm grateful to God for the faith uh, that is present in the lives of the church at Colossae and the love uh, that they have for one another. And then he continues on and he says, because of the hope 
uh, laid up for you in heaven. The way that Paul writes it, it's almost as if faith and love flow out of hope. Faith and love flow out of hope uh, that is secured in heaven for God's people. Hope uh, is a powerful little thing, is it not? I mean, when you have hope, I mean, you can navigate your way through uh, some difficult times in life. It's, it's amazing how, how we can function and thrive as a people uh, when we have hope uh, that everything is going to be okay. Uh, as Christians, we always have something to look forward to because of the hope that is ours. I don't know about you, but over the course of the last year, since last March, when we kind of navigated our way through uh, the worldwide pandemic, one of the difficult things, just for me personally, is that there were so many little things um, that I looked to as, as just a little source or a little sliver of hope that were taken away. Um, before the country closed down, uh, Billy and I were set to fly out to Jordan. Um, I had never been before, and I was excited to go. And just a couple of days before we were supposed to leave, um, that trip was canceled, and it was just like a little bit of hope was taken away. One of the things that uh, I love that we get to do as a church is go to Honduras in the summer and serve with Children's Impact Network. It's just, uh, we go for a week, uh, we serve, we get really tired doing construction for half the day and going into villages for half the day, and we grow close together as a community. It's just such a beautiful time. And, and that trip was canceled. It was taken away. And it felt like just a little bit of hope uh, was, was lost. Uh, my family had planned for a trip out to California. And we were actually going to bring our children with us because, you know, they're part of the family too. And they were excited to go. And, uh, and that trip was canceled. And just a little bit of hope just seemed like it was snapped from us and taken away. It's, it's amazing uh, how much hope can drive us. I don't know if you've ever had a really bad day at work before, the day before you leave for vacation, um, but isn't it amazing? Uh, sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but um, if, if you're having a difficult day at work and things are really tough, but you know you're leaving the next day for a week, it's just amazing how much uh, easier it can be uh, to navigate your way through challenges. Like, just think about it for a minute. If, if you were uh, struggling financially today, you had a limited amount of resources, and you weren't sure you were going to be able to do everything that you wanted to do, uh, but tomorrow you were going to become a billionaire. I mean, hello, that's kind of hope-giving. Well, Paul writes to this little church in Colossae and says, hey, guess what? Uh, there is hope uh, for you secured in heaven. It doesn't fade away. It's not fickle. It doesn't come and go. It doesn't change with the circumstances you're facing. It's secure for you uh, in heaven. That is a game changer. It changes the way that we live. It changes uh, the way that we function uh, as a people. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel which has come uh, to you. The gospel, the good news about Jesus, about God's grace, uh, it has come to you as a gift. And so my question to you uh, this morning, uh, Christ Point, is what if, uh, what if, what if, uh, what if we, if you and me, uh, our lives were marked 
uh, by faith. Like, what if our little community had a reputation for being a people of faith in Jesus? What if our community, this little community of Christ Point, what if, what if, what if, what if our lives were marked uh, by a passionate love for one another? And what if, uh, what if uh, we were a a hope-driven people because of assurance that we had that there was hope for us in heaven? I tell you what, that that kind of community, that kind of community uh, would change the world. And so let's pray and ask God uh, to help us uh, be uh, that kind of people. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for uh, your living and active word. Thank you for uh, the letter written to the church at Colossae. Um, Lord, thank you that they had a reputation for being a people of faith in Jesus, uh, folks marked by love and a people of hope. Lord, it's my hope and prayer that that those uh, attributes, that those things would be said about us, uh, that we too would be a people of faith, that people in our community would say, I've heard of your great faith in Jesus, that we would be a people marked by love for one another, that we would be willing uh, to to literally give our lives for uh, the sake of our brothers and sisters in this place, and that we would be a people full of hope, a hope that is uh, secure for us in heaven. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, God bless you, Christ Point. I want to invite you uh, to come back next week at 1030. Uh, Real quickly, a number of people have asked uh, recently, hey, I noticed you guys don't take offering. That's kind of weird. And so I just want to let you know uh, that we have baskets in uh, the back of the barn. If you want to be a part of what God is doing here financially, we really believe that everything we have belongs to the Lord. And so you can put a gift in the basket or uh, you can always give online at ChristPoint.com if you uh, want to be a part of what God is doing in this place. So uh, God bless you. We'll see you next week at 1030.